we've been spending our Christmas season uh, this December thinking about this idea of called the connected Christmas, asking ourselves if we are really living lives that are connected to Christ. And I think it's a question that's worth asking. I'm not asking do you go to church. I'm not asking do you even believe in Jesus. I'm saying are you living a life day by day where you're connected in some organic, real way, the Bible talks about abiding, that you're abiding or connected um, to Christ. And so before the Christmas season came, we sat as a staff and we thought about how could, we, how could we challenge people to actually ask that question and to probe into different areas of their lives and in areas of, that are traditional areas of connection. And so we thought about how uh, we, could be, we could look at our media involvement. We looked at that three weeks ago and say, are we so overcommitted to media connection, especially to our smartphones, uh, to technology, that it might be affecting our connection to Jesus? And we spent some time looking at that and thinking about that. Then we thought about our importance to be connected to our, to our families, and to our church family in particular. And so what we did is we moved our kids' Christmas play, that's normally in an evening, we moved it to Sunday morning, so that more people would be part of it. And then we had a, a, a party afterwards, and... You saw me dressed in a way you'll never see me dressed again, in an elf costume. And uh, I did it. You know what? Here's the deal. I got to hug and get pictures with more of your children because of that elf costume than any time in the almost nine years that I've been here. In fact, that's nine years right now. Christmas, nine years. And um, because of an elf costume. Why? Because we're trying to say, are we connecting to the family of God? And trying to say, if I can wear an elf costume to get connected to the kids, what would you do to get connected to people from the church? You know? And so then last week we thought about our connection to the Word of God through the Word of God. And Pastor Mitch preached about that. And his, I thought Pastor Mitch's idea of soap was, was awesome. And I took it from somewhere on how you connect through that acronym of soap. And I'm going to use that sometime. And uh, I'm going to use it in my life. But just what a, what a great idea of how am I connecting to God through his word. Well, today we want to continue thinking about this idea of connection. And, and Suzanne and I are going to actually co-do this in a minute while the chairs are up here. Talk about how and some more ways of how we can be connected to the Christ of Christmas. And I think, I think one of the realities is we like to have information in our life. So give me another book, teach me something, listen to a sermon. But the reality is most of us are educated way beyond our obedience. You hear what I said? We're educated way beyond our obedience. We know a lot more than we do. We don't even do what we already know. And so we want to think about how can we take what we know and make it real in our lives in our connection to Christ. So I think the most important key to learning how to be connected with Jesus is found in the Christmas story that Sophia read to us today. And it's this. The key, I believe, is this word, interruption. You see, think about it. The Christmas story is really just a story of interruptions. If you sat back, matter of fact, I started off, I was looking at the Christmas story, and I was trying to do something to talk about Silent Night. Because I was going to talk about silence, we'll mention that in a little, we're going to talk about that in a minute. And I thought, okay, Silent Night, there was nothing, Silent Night's a lie. It was the most non-silent night ever in the history of the world, I think. Angels were hollering and screaming songs, and shepherds were freaking out, and mothers were having babies and in a barn, and it was not a silent night. What it was was a, a whole story is a story of interruptions. The shepherds were just doing their job. 
and God interrupted what they were doing. They were doing what they always do. They had the routine. They went out to the fields. They did what they normally did. And the shepherd's life, their job, was interrupted. For a lot of us, nothing could interrupt you from your job. But their jobs, think of that. They left their work site because God interrupted their, their day. All of the people in the story that, that Sophia read, the whole set, the story of the people having, going for the census, all of the people in the empire had to leave where they were if they didn't live where their city of origin was, and they had to travel to where they're going. They were, all their lives were interrupted. They're used to living where they are and sleeping in their bed and doing their job and spending time with the same people, but all of them, their routines, were interrupted by the census. But you didn't even think of Mary and Joseph. Well, Mary and Joseph, they had been interrupted by the census. They're traveling to Bethlehem. But even this, they have plans. You guys ever have plans? Anybody have a plan to go to Grandma and Grandpa's house or somebody's house for Christmas? A bunch of you do. Some of you are here because of that plan. But imagine, in route on the plan that they had made, and they're in process of doing, they're interrupted by the birth of Jesus. You have to imagine, they didn't exactly have the same way of calculating things. They didn't have ultrasounds. Mary didn't know exactly when she's going to have that baby. And I'm pretty sure Mary and Joseph are saying this, Lord, just get us there and get us back so I can have this baby in my own house with my own people and maybe, you know, great aunt whoever who's the midwife. But they're traveling. They have a plan. Get us there. Get us back. And they're interrupted by the birth of Jesus. That interruptions to work and interruptions to routines and interruptions to agendas. And I think that we as, as just human beings are really good at establishing routines and agendas and moving through life according to our structure and possibly because we structure our lives. There's nothing wrong with structure. I'm a highly structured person. But we can in that structure where we just get up and do our thing Day in, day out, we have the possibility of missing important connections. And I think the Christmas story is a story that's supposed to holler to us about the reality that life sometimes needs to be interrupted so that we, have, that we don't miss the most important connection, which is a connection with Jesus. And we can miss it because we're just going through the motions. Just going through the motions. And who knows, the older you get, they tell you this all the time, and I'm finding it's true, the older you get, the faster time goes. So you just go through the motions, and it's possible to go through the motions of an entire life and never even really notice the interruptions that God is trying to, trying to give you. So I think this is the key to, to being connected at Christmas and every, starting at Christmas and using it as a launch pad for the rest of our year. But I think that we need to structure interruptions. We're good at structure. But structure, and that might sound like an oxymoron, structure interruptions into our lives. Structure times and activities that cause us to stop what we are doing on autopilot and pay attention to what's more important and most important. So in order to help us do that today, Suzanne and I want to talk about three kinds of interruptions that we have found are essential in our lives to keep us connected. So if you join me up here, Suzanne, I thought I needed to bring in the heavy hitters today. That that I kind of lived with this lady for a long time, almost 29 years, and and we've learned a few things about walking with the Lord during this period of time, and we've learned a few things about how to to how that we can fall into the trap 
of structuring our, of, of being so busy just doing that we can miss the most important thing. And so we want to talk about um, things that have helped us uh, to get connected and stay connected. What things that, that we need to structure into our lives to keep us from just going through the motions of life. You know, because you can get up and, you know, you could structure, you could, you could just go through the motions now being a grandma. And you kind of like that, don't you? You were very jealous when you were at work doing your nursing job and I was babysitting for Callie. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, but you can just, we can just go through the motions. But I, I was fortunate to be able to take the interruption of Callie. But there's more important interruptions. And so what we want to talk about is, we're talking about three words. And there are three S's. And you say, oh, how come I remember you saying something about S's before? Because if you remember from the very beginning of this series, the way this series, the idea of connection came to pass, is we were at a staff meeting. And we were talking about, you know, connected Christmas. And it was actually Suzanne who brought up, she said, you know, at the beginning of this year, in January, we did a sermon, um, a, a couple sermons on the topic of weapons of mass distraction. We talked about just about lives being so distracted and primarily the, the cell phone. And what you probably don't remember, because I actually pulled my old notes out, I didn't remember. I talked about that and then I said there were some S's you needed to incorporate into your life in order to make sure that you are staying connected properly. And so we said, well, let's just revisit some of those things. And so there's three of them that we think are essential in your life that you need to structure into your life to, in order to be interruptions. And the first one is silence. And can so I, let's start with silence. Yeah, can I say... You can say whatever you want. So as, <laughs> as, as we were preparing, um, just in my own quiet time, um, I felt like the Lord posed a question to me. And as I was going over things this week... I thought this is I think this is a good question for us to ask before we even get into practical things that we could do to invite more of the Lord's presence and reality in. And the question is is do do I or do you want to be a willing participant in whatever God has for you? Because God has a plan for you, right? You know, we prayed it over Callie today. He forms us in our mother's womb and he has a plan for us that is good. He wants us to prosper and, and you know, be all that we can be in him, be, be men and women of God. But in order to truly become who he wants us to become, are we willing to embrace the interruption? You know, Mary and Joseph wouldn't be as big a part of the story that we we celebrate at this time of year if they would have said, uh, no, I'm not, no. Instead of Mary saying, be it unto me as you say, I'm your servant, and said, no, I don't think I want to do that, she wouldn't be part of the story. God could not have used her and developed her and, and create, you know, created in her the, the woman that she was to be the mother of Jesus. And so we have the choice. You know, and so that's, I think it's a really important question to ask. Because as Christians, I think we kind of assume, yeah, I do. When things get hard and the challenges come and God's saying, no, I want you to kind of face this one head on and I, I need to tweak this in you, it's not, it's not comfortable and easy. But we can embrace it and grow and become more like him through it. And what a great point to say, to ask yourself honestly, do you even want to be part of the process? And because... I think there's a lot of times in my life, if I'm honest, 
as I'm getting older, I'm learning I'm much more careful with what I pray. Right. Yes. I, it's the honest truth. Anybody else find that? Because I'm yeah. saying he just might answer that. You know, it, 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 it's a, a, an interesting illustration, and we talked about it this morning. Um, you know, laying in bed, talking. We both were awake at o dark thirty, so we're just laying there talking, and uh, we're talking about about today, and 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 I was talking about our involvement at Portview, and and the fact that this is that we're coming up nine years long, so we've never been any place, any place was ten years, and we really believe we're going to be here till till I'm done doing ministry. I really don't have any sense we're supposed to go anywhere else, but I said. I'm kind of afraid to even ask God if he'd want me to go somewhere else. Because what if he said yes? Now, I don't think he's going to. I really don't. But it's that reality that when you say, God, I want to be part of the program, it requires adjustments in your life. It doesn't necessarily mean geographical change. But it requires, it requires change. So the things we're going to talk about, the three S's we're going to talk about, it would require change in your life to say, God, I really want to cooperate with what you're doing. I literally have to change my life somehow because, you know, what's the definition of, of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expect different results. And so if you want to just say, you say, oh, yeah, of course, everybody wants to be engaged. But here's the truth. That's not true. Our lives prove it. And so, you know, I still have to remind myself of that question. Do I want to be engaged? And that might be a good question to jot down and then in the coming days and weeks and the beginning of the year say, do a self-evaluation and say, you know, do I really, am I willing to embrace whatever you're going to bring me and give me the strength then to embrace it when it comes and help me to, you know, to recognize that. Matter of fact, a little sidebar, as we're getting ready, as you write that down, when you came in, because we're going to talk about this point, we're actually going to use this. When you came in, you should have been given a, a yellow piece of paper. As we talk through this first point on silence, um, if you don't have one of these as we're talking, raise your hand and the ushers are going to give you one. And we're even gonna, the kids can have one. Because we're going to so do this, something with this. Yep, we're this gonna, you're actually going to participate today. We're going to do something in the service. So, so, so let's, let's, let's kind of idea. So the first idea is, are you even willing? Right. So are you even willing to say, God, I want you to be, I want to be more fully engaged in, your wor- in the world with you. Yeah. And, um, and so the ways we're saying is that we'd have to structure these divine interruptions into our normal workaday world is through three S's. Right. And the first S we're saying that you have to intentionally structure into your life if you want to even, and this is the point, the first one, silence, if you even want the ability to hear from God. Because yep. here's the deal. If, if you don't structure silence into your life, I don't believe you will hear from God. And I mean structure silence. Now, let me ask a question out there. Who in here has ever had a burning bush? Talk to them. Okay, Ellie has. Yeah. Two children, Clem and Ellie. Uh, none of us have had a burning bush with a voice come out of it. Talk to us, right? You know where we hear from God almost always? How we hear from God? In silence. And so we need to structure silence into our lives because it is a time that we learn to listen to God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, as we were, we were talking, I thought, I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about the Christmas story and just Mary and Joseph, those two um, participants in it. So when, when the angel appears to Mary, you know, it doesn't say where she is, but we were talking, we're like, we always envisioned her like in bed or something, but, but somewhere alone. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, is, 
would would the angel have done it in the middle of the marketplace? You know, I, I don't know. But in silence, um, for Joseph, Joseph was sleeping. It says he was sleeping, and in a dream, God spoke to him and said, and before he went to sleep, he it says he had in his mind, he was putting Mary away. He wasn't, he wasn't going to do it. He was done. But in the ability for him to sleep, he dreamt, and the angels, or the Lord sent him this dream and said, no, this is what I have for you. And um, it's in the silence that we hear God the clearest. And one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 30, um, verse 15. And it says, in quietness and trust is your strength. And if you look up the word quiet in scripture, it's, it is um, throughout scripture that quietness is w- what we need in order to have that inner strength and to hear the voice of God. So, it, you know, we see it in scripture. We see it through um, the, the participants in this, this very own story. But this, it's in the silence. And the other thing I told Mark is with Joseph, the thing that impressed me is how many of you can sleep when you're really stressed? No. Not me. And that Isaiah 30 scripture says, in quietness and trust is your strength. And Joseph, his ability to sleep indicates to me that he has some level of trust in the Messiah and, you know, what he had learned before. Because remember, they didn't have what we have now, you know. But but somehow he had enough grounding to be like, okay, whatever happens here, I'm going to just trust the Messiah to work it out. And the evidence is and, he slept. And the evidence is he slept. Because this that's a pretty major thing. You know, you're engaged to be married. She's pregnant. You know, of course, you you're know, not you're not the father. You know that. It seems absolutely insane that it would be the Holy Spirit, you know, the, the, the God's baby. <laughs> you know, all of that seems insane. But Joseph had the that inner um, trust to be able to sleep, which then the Lord spoke to him, which provided the strength to move into what God was asking him to do. Right. So I think the thing that one of the things we've learned is, the importance of silence, and silence I just always define as this way. It's true silence is being alone with your thoughts in quiet. And so that's what we're talking about. It's, it's not with the music playing. Some of you say, well, every time I pray, I have music playing. And I'm not trying to say you're wrong. I'm just saying we learn to hear God in silence. You have to be, you can't be distracted. Um, and so it's, silence is a time to learn to listen. So it's being alone with your thoughts in quiet. And one of my favorite verses from Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. And I think about this, that God, um, that the psalmist wrote that at a time where there were no cars, no planes, no electric lights, no TVs, no radios, no smartphones, no interaction. So that when you were alone, you close the door, there's no lights, there's nothing. It's quiet. And the psalmist thought it was necessary to say, Be still and know that I'm God. And I think you could easily say, Be quiet. And know that I am God. Um, because we, God knows our human dis- t- tendency to be distracted. And the reason we want to be distracted, we don't want to sit in silence. And I really believe this. And men, hear me today. I believe the reason some of you are perpetual, perpetual motion machines. You always have to fill your life with another activity, another sporting event, another whatever. Is you really don't want to be still. and know, You don't want to hear God's voice. Because there are some things you don't want to hear. Now, women, it applies to you too, but I'm speaking as a man. 
a lot of times we don't want to hear what God has to say because we know it's not what God, we know, we know God's going to try to tell us something different. And so we have to structure times of silence. And the idea of silence, the main thing I think for silence, is we're learning how to listen. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about the silence is um, in silence you actually kind of decompress and, and feel. And as Americans, we don't do a really good job of feeling um, whether it's grief or joy, we just go from one thing to the next to the next to the next. Perpetually distracted. And it's, it's, it is. It's a perpetual distraction. And, um, you know, I, I love music. I love putting worship music on. And But over the past number of years, when I'm in my car, I don't turn it on except for Christmas. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas carols I put on because it's for such a short time. But I don't. And I've had to come to recognize there's a difference between worshiping and singing and silence because the way that you connect with the Lord is different in those in those spaces. And so silence, it, it is it's essential for a, for a relationship with Christ. And so we need to learn to schedule, however your world looks, your time, schedule times of sitting in silence in our lives. In order to listen. And so we're going to do something. So take your yellow piece of paper. And Suzanne's going to lead us in something in a minute. And if you've been in one of our Wednesday night classes, you recognize this. A little different format, but you recognize this. Now we're doing something that anybody who ever runs a church service would say, you cannot do this in a public service. Impossible. But we're going to do it. Okay? Because we want you to get the idea that in silence is where we learn to hear from God. And so we're going to do an exercise, and we're actually in this period of time, we're going to have like a total of between three and six minutes of silence in this room. doesn't mean you can't cough, but we're going to try to sit in silence and pretend, you're going to pretend there's not a couple hundred people sitting around you. And you're going to do your best to just listen to the voice of the Lord. And so Suzanne's going to lead us in an exercise in how do we learn to hear from God. And the reason we're, we're giving you this Um, We want to do something so that you would have a practical process that you could take home with you and you could use it in a a greater format in your life to learn how, what can I do in silence with the Lord? And this is, this exercise, I was just telling some people this morning. So this one I personally have done probably ten times in the past month because it, it gives you some structure when you're a little bit scattered And one of the reasons we wanted to do it today is we're talking about a connected Christmas. And we know everybody has plans. Everybody's been preparing. You know, everybody has their stuff. But we really want you to connect with Jesus today. And this exercise, I've done done this in spiritual direction with people over an hour. Okay, today is going to be the extreme modified version. Okay, extreme modified. But I really encourage you at some point, Take this and sit down in your, find a space. You know, I know it's difficult for, for parents of young kids, but husbands and wives, like, say, go, take 30 minutes. I'll watch the kids, and then tomorrow you'll do the same for me. It is, it is life-giving, okay? So at the top of the sheet, there's a, the biggest circle, and it says, where am I? And um, Psalm 46.10 in the message um, says this, step out of the traffic, Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. In this circle, and you can draw pictures. That's why all the kids can get this too. And I want you 
right now to just think of one or two things that are going on in your life. The questions to ask yourself is, what's going on in my present reality? What are the things that I'm thinking about and are preoccupying me right now? So let's just take like one or two minutes, begin to write in the circle, and just write the things that come to your mind. What things are going on in your life right now that you're giving energy to and thought to? Okay, so like I said, this is going to be the real ramped up version, okay? (laughs) Um, So, one important thing before we go on about this, and and unfortunately, you know, we are on the time schedule today. Plus, we had a whole bunch of kids in here. When we planned this, we forgot that it was a family service. Yes. But (laughs) kids, that's why you can make a bunch more and give them to kids and have them draw pictures on them. Which is all right. It's a way to teach your kids also, because here's what we do. We're trying to learn, especially we get to move on. How do I actually hear from God? I have to be quiet and ask some important questions. Right. So whenever one of these questions is asked, it's really important to go ahead and write down the things that come to mind right away. Because I don't think anybody had trouble thinking of things that are on your mind, right? But at the end, when you've exhausted all the things that you want to put in there, just always take another minute or two and just ask or the five. Lord, or five or ten or however long you want, and just say, Lord, is there anything else going on or, you know, in the next couple of circles, is there anything else going on that I'm not thinking of, you know, that you want to bring to my mind? Okay, so inviting the Lord into each of these questions is, imp- is very important. So the second circle, you'll notice, is a little bit smaller. And the question for this circle is, how am I? And the questions to ask yourself, you go back to circle number one and say, how am I feeling about the things I wrote in circle one? And these, so these are feeling answers in this um, circle. So you might feel joyful, you might feel sad, you might feel overwhelmed, you might feel um, elated. Okay, so let's just take a minute or two and fill that circle out. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next circle. Well, before we do, I want you to think about this. This might have been a hard one for you to do for two reasons. Because you're asking for emotion words. You're trying, to, you're trying to allow the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, to show you how you're really feeling inside. And I think oftentimes we, we vacillate to one or two extremes. Number one, we can be a person who lives in their emotions. That all they do is live by their emotions. No comment. No, the brain doesn't run everything. The, the emotions run everything. And we, you know, you might be that person. So you, this life is like this. The other extreme is you, you ignore or you stifle or you suppress your emotions. And you don't even know what you're feeling. Um, here's the deal. God gave you emotions. I always tell people when I do a funeral, um, whenever I'm doing a funeral, I, I mention one thing every time. I always say, listen, God is the one who made you to have emotions. That one day you're going to be mad and the next day you're going to be sad and the next day you're going to be um, angry and then you're going to be crying. And that, that roller coaster... God gave you emotions. They're from the Lord. He made you to feel things. And a lot of times we stuff our emotions just to get up, be on autopilot. And what's, what's happened is you don't learn to feel emotions. I believe this. You also can't learn to honestly connect with God. Because God connects with you with your mind and your heart. And if you don't feel emotion because you suppress it so much, if you don't feel it, you really don't know what it's like to connect with God the way he wants it. 
So this exercise can be really helpful in allowing you to begin to open the box to feel your emotions. And it's scary because sometimes you say, I know it's buried in there. I don't want to feel it. I know the pain of loss. I know the pain of betrayal. You have to feel that stuff in order to process it and move past it. Okay, so the last circle, you'll notice, is smaller. Um, The question for this one is, who am I? So to answer this question, especially um, for Christians who have walked with the Lord for a long time and they know Scripture, you know, we, we have some really good answers. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm loved. You know, I'm the apple of his eye. I'm precious in I'm his one sight. Christ I'm dwells in delight, yep. and I live in a stable, unshakable kingdom of God. So there's things that are going to automatically come to your mind because it's what we know. It's, it's the true. truth that we stand on no matter what we feel. Okay? But the important thing with this circle is to then sit with Jesus and say, now tell me who I am. Who do you say I am? Who, who am I in you? And I'll tell you, the very first time I did this exercise, I filled out the box or the circle, and I had all the right answers. But when I sat with the Lord, he spoke something to, to me that was so overwhelming, I just sat and cried. Because never, I had never thought that he thought that way toward me. I never viewed my walk with him and the way that he spoke to me. And when he spoke it, it was life-changing for me. And so that's, that's what this circle is about. It's about get, getting through this process and getting to a place where you can hear him and his voice and his words to you. So let's just take a minute or two. And again, I wish we had an hour because we would go through the, you know, this process a lot longer. Um, but who are you? Okay, so that is... The end of the that spiritual exercise. So I'm not sure if um, I'm hoping that it was meaningful in some way to you. But again, our our hope was that one here in this place in these minutes we're setting aside that you do have a sense of this connection um, just with Jesus, but also that you have a tool to take home with you and in the new year begin to maybe implement this into a time of silence because again silence um, is is a key to being able to hear God's voice so imagine if all of us would take time once a week whether you use a format like this or not um, and sit in silence for for a period of time and ask the Lord to speak to us imagine what, what might be different about our lives if we did that. And I, so I really believe that you need to structure silence in your life. And we found a really interesting thing as we've done this exercise. And I know this is really, you guys did, by the way, you guys did great. Um, we thought it might be pandemonium in here having minutes of silence. Um, and also I hope you learn this. Generally when you come to church, you think, I don't think this, but this kind of way, that the idea is we're just watch, you're watching a performance. It's never supposed to be a performance. The reason we gather together is for all of us to engage with God. And if we can engage with God better by doing something like this, this is, this is what we need to do. And so here's what we found as we do this exact spiritual exercise. We do this exercise in our Wednesday Night Good and Beautiful God class. We do this the first week of the first book and then the ninth week of the first book. And then people keep them and they compare them. And you know what's been really interesting to watch and hear? 
people talking about, number one, a lot of people when they do this first thing, I remember one person in particular um, over, over the years that was super positive and wrote all the things of where am I. It was all this stuff going on. And then how am I? And all the words were stressed, tired, overwhelmed. The first circle looked all positive and happy. The second circle was all tired, overwhelmed. Man, I can't keep going. And the person had an epiphany. They're like, I've never looked at my life this way. I've never realized I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm feeling exhausted. Well, until you took time to listen, you couldn't know that. And another thing that happens all the time when we do this is people do this, and then they compare it to what they did nine, that situation nine weeks earlier. And under the who am I, under the how am I and who am I, the how am I turns into I'm content, I'm relaxed, I feel good. And the first one was I'm stressed, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, I feel good. And the who, who am I is I'm one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I'm the beloved. I'm, I'm, I'm hidden with Christ and God. I'm loved and I'm accepted. And you watch and these people are just like, we just went through this a couple weeks ago. And one of the couples said, I can't believe how much we've changed. And they're looking and they're like, look how much we've changed in nine weeks. And that happens all the time. What's, what made it work? Was it great teaching? No. Teaching was part of it. It was learning to sit and listen. Listen to the Lord. So you have to build silence somehow into your life. Without it, I believe you cannot be still and know that he is God. The next two S's we're going to look at, you're going, oh my goodness, you know, are going to be really quick. So we did the first S on purpose because we think it's so important, silence. And we on purpose did these two and we did the exercise in the first one. So we can just talk about the next two S's that I think are absolutely vital to you in a very busy world having a connected relationship with Christ. The second one is this. It's solitude. It's very similar to silence. Solitude. Which um, it says in Luke 5, 16. And matter of fact, I had a personal time, a pastor. I was going through, actually the book, Good and Beautiful God with a pastor. And he kept arguing with me. And it's you know all the time about this stuff. And none of the pastors in here. Arguing with me all the time about this point, about getting alone with God. And he said, well, I don't see that in Scripture. And so I took him to Luke 5, 16. Luke 5, 16 says this. Jesus often, excuse me, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often went into solitude to be alone with the Lord. And he's like, oh, I guess if Jesus did it, I need to do it. Often. And so, so solitude is a little different than silence, and they're connected in that it's, it's getting away from all interactions for a period of time to be alone, just alone together with God and on purpose, putting all other people and activity out of your schedule for an extended period. Well, in the solitude, um, in, the, in the realm of spiritual exercises, they call this a container spiritual exercise because in solitude is when you can practice silence. You can practice reading the word. You do Lexio Divina. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different um, things that you can do there, but the, the, the main thing is, is it's you. Because, you know, so I sit here and I'm a wife and I'm a mother and I'm a grandma and I'm a daughter and I'm a sister and I'm a friend and I'm a nurse. And all of you, how many, how many different titles or hats do you wear? When you get into silence, you're sitting there as a child of God. That's who you are. And in that solitude, then you can choose... What, what things do I want to fill this time with? And in your solitude, you can choose to watch TV or you can choose to, you know, eat or whatever. But 
you can also choose to be silent with God, to invite him into that solitude, to read the word, um, you know, to, to put on worship music and just edify yourself that way, um, to, to journal. You know, there's a lot of different options of that, of what you can do in your solitude. But the solitude, you know, so Jesus went with friends and then he continued going on to pray and then he'd come back to his friends and then he went back to pray and he came back, you know, and his own example shows us the importance of the getting away from people. Not that people are bad, okay, because people are a gift. But we need the solitude and able to, in order to really stay connected. Right. So here's the deal. You need to structure solitude into your, into your schedule. Time to just be alone together with God. Um, and so in my calendar, so I did it, it's still 2017, I went through my 2018 calendar, and I take one Friday every month, and I try to make the last Friday unless my calendar doesn't allow it, and I schedule an entire day of solitude. So from morning till evening, I'm alone. And I do take my cell phone, I used to not even do that, I do take my cell phone, keep it on silent, and I only check it in case there's, I get a buzz and there's an emergency and I've got to do something. But schedule time alone, extended period to just be alone with you and God, um, it's, it's vital. If you think in the scriptures, the story of Elijah the prophet, he's going through life, he's busy, he just has this incredible mountaintop experience, killing the prophets of Baal, um, to stand up for God, all this great stuff going on, and he, he's dejected at the end. The, the queen says she's going to have him killed. He gets dejected. He says, I want to die. You know, he really does. Like, God, just kill me. And what happens? He goes off into what? Into solitude. He runs up. God leads him into solitude. And in solitude, what happens? God meets with him in solitude. In the very famous part of Scripture, where it says, and he hears the still, quiet voice of the Lord. He had to be off by himself in solitude for that to happen. So I just say this. We're talking about building, building interruptions into your schedule. Schedule times, even if it's a couple hours, two, three hours, where you're just going to be alone with just you and God. And I can see some of the gears turning in people's heads and saying, but the Bible says we're supposed to go out and make disciples, and we're supposed to go out to the highways and the byways, and we're supposed to do, and we're supposed to share, and we're supposed to spread. And that is true. But you're going out and you spreading the good news of Jesus is going to be changed by the time you spend in silence and solitude. That Jesus himself did not go and minister without going into silence and solitude. Ministry is meant to be an overflow, not overwork. Any ministry you do in your family, in the church, in the community, ministry is simply serving others. Any ministry you should do should be enough overflow of your relationship with Christ, not overwork. And a lot of times what we do is we commit, 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 commit. And the one thing that we do away with is solitude and silence. And what then we're doing is maybe it feels good, maybe it accomplishes a little something, but it doesn't accomplish what God wants accomplished. So Jesus went alone first, got in the lonely place often, and then he ministered to people and to the crowds. So schedule it into your life. Let's look at the last one. The last one is something we know we've talked about many times. It's the last S, Sabbath. And so Sabbath simply means, it's, you know, it's as old as, as creation and the first man and woman. God's saying, listen, um, I, worked, I worked six days, created the world. I'm going to have you work six days and rest on one. And here's what I think Sabbath is really all about. It's about trust. Sabbath says, I trust God knows better than me, and God knows what I need better than I know to myself. What we do in our culture is we work ourselves to death, and we work ourselves to death not just through work, but through work and through play. 
We run ourselves to death. So the second I'm done working, I jump in my car. And, you know, you said one of your coworkers is all upset because we haven't enough snow lately. So they got it every weekend, grab their car, put their snowbills on, and run up to Hayward and go snowmobiling. And be exhausted and drive home late at night and come into work on Monday morning exhausted. You know what? That might sound like fun. All it is is a big distraction. Not that you could never do it, but it's a big distraction. What it's keeping you from doing is resting. We need to rest in the Lord. We need a day every seven days. We need a day set aside for rest and worship. And God knew what he was talking about when he created you. God knows you better than you know you. You need that in your life to be able to be connected. Remember, it's all about a connected Christmas. How do I stay connected? I've got to set aside a day to say, God, and so it's a day to limit media, uh, limit the cell phone use, limit you know, looking at fainting goats on Facebook, and spend time with Jesus. And, you know, all of these, the things that we're talking about today, none, obviously none of this is meant as a guilt no. or um, anything that would be like a burden. You know, it starts, it goes back to the question that we started with. Are you willing, are you going to be, do you want to be a willing participant in what God has for you? Because the longer that I live, the more I recognize the Lord has so much for us that we never we miss we we never get it because we are so busy and it's not his busyness it's our own busyness it's our own preoccupation it's our own buying into the lies of the world that say more more money can buy more things which lead to more happiness it is a lie because the place where true joy lies is in the presence of God and knowing you are where he wants you to be. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. And in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yes. Where, is, where, is, where do you find fullness of joy? In the presence of the Lord. Yes. And so this is all designed to say, am I having these things in my life? Silence, solitude, and Sabbath, probably the three most important. If you're going to have a connected relationship with Jesus, look at your calendars, the end of the year, going into a new year, and say, how can I structure my life so that silence, solitude, and Sabbath, those are hard to say in a row, are all structured as interruptions into your life that can, can run on autopilot. I just want you to think about um, the interruption that, that Sophia told us about today. It says, for today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Ask yourself this. Has he genuinely interrupted your life? Have you met him? Are you living a life of worshiping him? Friends, he's the Christmas gift that's meant to interrupt your busy schedule. And so we recognize the fact that God so loved us that he sent his only son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Christmas is a divine interruption in our lives that's designed to make us think. Have I invited Jesus into my life? Friends, if you've never done that today, I challenge you, accept the greatest gift that's ever been given to any human in the entire history of the world. The opportunity to come to know God through Jesus' Son. Welcome Him into your life. Ask Jesus, come in. Make me brand new. Take away all the junk. And lead me now. Every day of my life. Because it's the only thing that gives peace and abundance. And in the end, eternity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you 
that we come together at this Christmas Eve day and we think about how to have a life of connectivity with you. And Lord, that as we sit in silence and we get in solitude and we, we set aside days of Sabbath, they're all designed for one thing, to just stop the noise long enough that we can hear your voice. Because this is what we know when we sit in silence and we welcome you in, you really do speak. And I pray now, God, for every person in this place that not one of us could go through this Christmas season without opening up our hearts and saying yes to Jesus. And so, Lord, give us your grace and your strength to say yes, because it all is a gift of you. And so, Lord, now we give ourselves to you fully. Help us, Lord, now to be lights as we go off here into visiting different relatives and friends. Help us to bring the light and the love of Jesus into every situation that we encounter. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace.